Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Hello and welcome to this week's Alabama AgCast. I'm your host, Mike Moody. Joining us on the AgCast today is Dr. Soren Rodning, an Alabama Cooperative Extension System veterinarian. Uh, Soren, how are you doing today? Doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. Great. Today we're going to have a conversation about some changes coming to the livestock industry when dealing with antibiotics. The United States Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, just announced that beginning June 11th, some over-the-counter livestock antibiotics will no longer be available without a prescription. Uh, Soren, can you shed some light on this announcement? Absolutely, Mike. So this is something that has actually been in the works for the past several years. Beginning back in 2017, rules changed with respect to antibiotics that were administered in or on animal feed. So in January 2017, all antibiotics that were administered in or on animal feed began requiring a veterinary feed directive. And then in 2018, the FDA Center for Veterinary Medicine, or CVM, rolled out their five-year plan to try and combat antimicrobial resistance. And part of that plan was to change the availability of over-the-counter antibiotics to prescription only. So what we're seeing implemented in June of this year is really a a process that's been in play for the past four or five years. Mm -hmm. Well, Soren, a question that I'm sure many of our listeners are thinking about, why is the FDA so concerned about livestock antibiotic resistance? That's a great question, Mike. And it's not just about livestock antibiotic resistance. It's really about antibiotic resistance in general. So when the FDA looks at these drugs that we use to to treat various bacterial infections in in livestock and the resistance that can occur as a result. They're also particularly concerned about the possibility of that antibiotic resistance being transferred into human populations. We want to make sure that antibiotics remain effective in both livestock and humans. And and kind of one way to think about it is that eventually everybody is either going to need antibiotics themselves or have a loved one that needs antibiotics to treat a bacterial infection of some sort. And so by being more judicious in the way we use antibiotics, both in livestock as well as in humans, we can better preserve the efficacy of those products moving forward. Something to, to think about, just to put put some numbers to this, every year there are probably somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple million antibiotic-resistant bacterial infections in human patients, and those result somewhere in, in somewhere between 20 and 30,000 human deaths every year. Mm-hmm. So just to, just to put some of this into perspective, that's why the FDA is very focused right now on ensuring judicious use of antibiotics 
in livestock. And then there are other entities that are focused on ensuring judicious use of antibiotics in human medicine because they're, they're both important for preserving efficacy of these products for, for years to come. And a, a point that you made earlier, uh, this didn't happen overnight. That's right. Uh, this this has taken a, and you know you said this took what it's take, been a, after five years of research and communication and all that that this decision was reached. That, that, that's right. So so the concern over antimicrobial resistance has has been a, around for I'd say two plus decades, but for the past. 10 to 15 years, the FDA has really been taking a very careful look at the way antibiotics are used in livestock and ways in which we can improve the use of those, live, uh, those antibiotics in livestock to not only maintain their effectiveness in, in animals, but also maintain their effectiveness in, in human patients as well. Well, uh, a couple of things you mentioned that I'd like to dig into. Not, uh, I know you could probably talk all day about these things, but uh, you said a, a veterinary feed directive. Is that the same thing as a, uh, a prescription from a vet? Great question. So, so the veterinary feed directive applies specifically to antibiotics that are administered in or on animal feed. In simple terms, though, it is it is essentially a prescription for feed grade antibiotics. the The difference is is when when the there are some ways in which FDA regulates veterinary feed directives that are different from the way they regulate prescription products. And so that's why there's the differentiation between veterinary feed directive products and prescription products. So the prescriptions would apply to medically important antibiotics that are administered through injection, topically, if, if there's an intramammary product, for example, or administered through the water. So prescriptions would apply to those products, and then veterinary feed directives would apply to antibiotics that are administered in or on animal feed. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, uh, that, that clears it up a little bit. You also mentioned antimicrobial. We're not having a science class here necessarily, but uh, what's the difference between antimicrobial and an antibiotic when we're talking about coming up to the, these, these new rules? Just for, for clarity's sake, so antimicrobial would be a broader term that would apply to any chemical that is used to treat any type of microbial organism, whether it be a bacteria, a virus, a parasite. An antibiotic specifically is, is an antimicrobial that targets bacterial infections. So we use antibiotics to treat bacterial infections. So an antibiotic is a type of antimicrobial not all antimicrobials are antibiotics. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. And the I think the targeting is the key. That's right. The antibiotic is is a type of antimicrobial that is specifically used to treat bacterial infections. And in this case, what what the FDA is is interested in is antibiotics that are what they 
call medically important. So a medically important antibiotic is one that in simple terms is also used in human medicine or has implications for human medicine. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of that and the announcement that was just released, uh, which antibiotics, whether it be name or class, are affected by the announcement? So a, num a number of antibiotics, some of the common ones that livestock producers may be more familiar with would be things like penicillin, oxytetracycline, though, and, and others. There, there are others. But really anything, Mike, that the FDA would have on their list of medically important antibiotics. So again, an antibiotic that has implications for human medicine. So for example, Penicillin is sometimes used to treat human patients. Sometimes tetracyclines are used to treat human patients. And so those products will still be available to livestock producers, but they're just going to require a prescription moving forward. Okay. Soren, you listed a, several uh, types of antibiotics that are going to be uh, listed on this, this new requirement. Are there any that are not going to be required to have a uh, prescription? Good question, Mike. So when we look at animal health products, the the types of animal health products that are not going to be affected by this new FDA guidance are things like vaccines, dewormers, growth-promoting implants, ionophores, so things like rumensin and Bovitec, those will not be impacted by this new guidance. So there are a number of animal health products that will remain available over the counter. This guidance is specifically aimed at, again, what the FDA would define as medically important antibiotics, which would be antibiotics that have a use in, in human medicine as well as animal medicine. So, so again, things like vaccines, dewormers, fly sprays, ionophores like Rumensin and Bovitec, those products will not be affected by this new guidance. They will continue to be available over the counter. I'm sure that's going to be uh, good news for some of our folks out there. And what we'll do is we'll link to some information uh, in our show notes so that they can look, look for those things themselves. It's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit, and while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources. Let's take one more step to our uh, to our producers out there. A, a producer is hearing this and 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 thinking that some of their uh, antibiotics are, are going to be affected by this uh, after June 11, uh, what, what, is their, what is their action? What, what do they do at this point? So I think the most important thing they can do, Mike, is to establish, if they don't already have a relationship with a veterinarian, they need to establish a, a relationship with a veterinarian that's willing to, to evaluate and, and treat and prescribe treatment for animals on their, their farm or ranch. If they're fortunate enough to already have a relationship with a veterinarian, maintain that relationship. Maybe go ahead and start the conversation of, you know what this is going to look like come come June 
2023. But I would say for 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 livestock producers that that don't have a relationship with a veterinarian right now, talk to fellow producers in the community and find out who is available. That uh, from a veterinary perspective, what veterinarians are willing to make farm visits to to establish that relationship or several veterinarians within Alabama and within the region also have livestock haul-in facilities so it's it's possible to bring animals to a vet to bring livestock to a a veterinary clinic as well to establish that relationship so I think it's important for livestock producers to understand that these products are not going away but the way in which they can be accessed is going to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were mentioned having a relationship with a veterinarian. Uh, can just any veterinarian handle these prescriptions? Is there? I, I seem to recall in in a recent article that there was a limitation on or some clarification that a veterinarian had to have in order to comply with this new rule. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. So the requirement there, Mike, is that a client has to have a what, what's called a, a veterinary client-patient relationship. And so you'll see some of that terminology associated with this announcement. And every state has different ways in which they specifically define what a veterinary client-patient relationship is. But but here in Alabama, for for livestock producers, I would think about it as having a a working relationship. So does does that mean that the veterinarian has to come out every time an animal is sick or needs treatment? Not necessarily. Not not if that veterinarian has that good working relationship and feels comfortable prescribing those antibiotics to a client in which they are familiar with the operation of that herd or flock, you know, familiar with the the, the farm or ranch procedures. It it wouldn't be advised just to to order it online, you know, or something like that. You you'd be uh, putting yourself at risk as a producer uh, not having that relationship. And and I I would imagine most of our producers have a vet that they can call, you know, on the short list. Uh, for whatever you know, whatever reason they might have, so a, a lot of them do. You know, truth be told, that there are areas in Alabama where it can be difficult to find a veterinarian that is is willing to work on livestock, and and we could probably do a whole other whole other show on that, Mike. So so there can be some challenges in certain parts of the state, and that's why I think it'd be important for producers to kind of start thinking about that now and talking with other livestock producers in their community on on how they're going to approach this and do they have a veterinarian that they call on you know we have veterinarians that are willing to travel as well so so we have veterinarians that have haul-in facilities you know where where livestock producers can bring their animals for evaluation and treatment if needed and we also have veterinarians that are willing to travel out to the farm so so there's some different options there and it'd be good to kind of start thinking about what that looks like for for an individual 
operation just to kind of be prepared for the changes that are coming. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. Speaking of advice, knowing how the producers that I know, when they get a hold of something, you know, they hoard it. They they haul it in. So I I could see a run on a bunch of over-the-counter antibiotics on June 10th prior to 11th. What's your advice to a a producer that says, man, I better stock up because this this time is coming? Because we're not sure how the price is affected by all of this, but uh, the inconvenience might be one, you know, a, a slight layer to them getting their meds. But what's your advice to them? I don't think that price is going to be a major deterrent. I don't think that there's going to be a, uh, much of any markup in price ha- having having to go through a veterinarian for a prescription. A lot of the livestock veterinarians that I work with around the state, they have very little to no markup on the the livestock medications, animal health products that that they that they sell or that may come through their their practice. So there's very little markup there. I don't think there'll be a, a big change in price. And in some cases, producers may find that the, the price is, is just as good, if not even better, mm-hmm. going through a livestock veterinarian. But that being said, th- there will be another layer, as you said, uh, that another step that has to be taken in order to get that prescription, be able to get the medication. The other option is is that producers don't have to buy these medications through a veterinarian. Their veterinarian can provide a prescription and then they can go buy it from either a physical location that can process those prescriptions or there's a number of online pharmacies that can do that as well. Mm-hmm. So there's there's going to be multiple options. The, the The big difference is the requirement for a prescription. Right. That, that's going to be the kind of the additional step that has to be taken. I would caution people about stocking up on these over-the-counter medications prior to June 2023, just because products have an expiration date. And once that expiration date has come and gone, those products are going to lose efficacy. Mm-hmm. And so... It might be tempting to to stock up on some of those medications, but it could be that two years down the road, three years down the road, you still have this huge stockpile of medications that cost a lot of money but are no longer really effective to treat the livestock that you're taking care of. Soren, is there anything else we need to uh, that that you'd like to let the folks know out there about this? Well, I would say again, I would just encourage folks if if they have if they have questions, they're certainly welcome to reach out to me or to their local animal science and forages regional extension agent. But I would really encourage folks to think about how this may impact their normal production practices. And again, if 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 they're fortunate to already have a relationship with a veterinarian, it'd be worth having a conversation just to say, hey, how how is this going to impact my day-to-day operation? Mm-hmm. And if they don't have a relationship with a veterinarian, I would really encourage them to go ahead and establish that relationship now because no matter how good we are with our animal husbandry, no matter how good we are with our vaccination programs, animals are going to get sick at some right. point and they're going to need treatment. And so having that relationship with a veterinarian sooner rather than later, I think is really important just for this to be as little of a hurdle as, as possible. Mm-hmm. 
good points all around. Uh, Soren, thank you so much for uh, being here today, and we, we'll, uh, we'll have to have you back on the AgCast because uh, I feel like we just scratched the surface on all this biological terms that we were talking about that we could have a class and then render degrees and the whole thing, you know. Well, I, I really appreciate you having me on, Mike, and, and happy to, to do this again anytime. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.